Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page. Two or three little things before uh, we read the text and get started. Uh, number one is, if you look in your, uh, your bulletins, you'll see this little insert uh, where it talks about veterans. If you have served in the military, regardless of which of the uh, branches of service, we'd like for you to fill this out. Now, our reason for that is we're going to have something very special this coming November for veterans here. Uh, we've asked Ollie North to come back as our special speaker, and he has agreed to do that. And, um, and so the veterans, we want you to be here first. And what we're going to do is something totally different from what we've done before. We're going to, uh, because of cost and some other things, um, we'll be asking for volunteers, uh, because the only people that will get early on that will get tickets will be veterans. And you have to have tickets to be here unless you're a volunteer. Um, and so we're looking to probably have between seven and 800 people in here that evening. Uh, supper will be about six o'clock. We have invited and have been led to believe there's better than a 50-50 possibility that the Air Force Band will be here uh, from Wright-Patterson. And uh, there, we have invited the workers at the local veterans clinic to be our guests as well. And Tina Meredith has said that there are several who have said that they certainly will be here. And so it's going to take a lot of planning because um, tickets, the tables will be assigned, tickets will be assigned to a table, and so on and so forth and so forth. And in, in about two or three months, we'll be sending out 800 invitations to local veterans on a first-come, first-served basis, understanding that we can only take so many. And, uh, but that's scheduled for the 12th of November. That's the 11th of November is Veterans Day. 12th is a Sunday, and we're looking at doing that on a Sunday evening. So just give you a heads up of what's going on. So if you're a veteran and you want to be here, why uh, you need to, to, because I want to make sure that our, the veterans who go here at church get first shot at. We're taking good care of you, and then we'll expect you to just fill the offering bucket up out of gratitude and all that kind of good stuff. So, uh, <clears throat> the second thing is there are still some, um, some tickets for the, uh, the movie, The Shack, um, I, and out there if you need them. Uh, that'll go on to, I think the 23rd maybe will be the last date it's there at the movie. Uh, I think they're $2.50 a, a piece because we're giving you a real deal. And then we have rented another movie, Christian movie is coming out based on the book, A Case for Christ. And we've rented the theater on a Sunday evening. We'll be telling you more about that in the near future. That'll be sometime, I, I think it's going to be the Sunday evening of Palm Sunday, I believe. Uh, the other thing is my first wife uh, has a bunch of books out here for Bible study. Women's Bible study starts this coming Thursday. So those you women need to get your books and, and, um, and be present for that. 
our text and our sermons as we start this thing uh, series in preparation for Easter, we're talking about the triumphal entry. Now we need to talk about this a little bit before we get into the text. Because what Jesus did was to take something that all of the people understood and were used to doing, and he utilized that in order to bring his message to the people. What he did was, uh, if, if, a, uh, if a famous soldier had won a great battle, and he would come back, to, uh, and there would be a, we would call it a ticker tape parade, because what we did for General MacArthur, General Eisenhower, some of those guys, we had New York, and they threw all that stuff down. This would be comparable to that, only a little bit different. It was called a triumph, the triumph. The general would come to town, and go ahead and throw that picture up, Chris. The, the general would come to town, and all of the town would go out to meet him. And, and then he would come, and there would be a long parade. He would be riding on, on, with, on a chariot pulled by two white horses. He would, uh, uh, and, and behind him would be the slaves that he had captured, because 60% of the Roman Empire were slaves. Behind that would be the loot, gold, silver, whatever that he had been able to, And he was bringing all of that to town to offer to the king, to, to his God and king. This was a common occurrence. And as I said, it's called the triumph. And it's referred to in the New Testament in several different places. Jesus is using that concept. Now, you all actually, uh, if you've been around for a while... You remember we had something a little similar to that that happened here at church. Because the local military group that had been in Iraq and Afghanistan once, I forget which, uh, they were all coming back. And their goal was, to, and the, the military had asked us, can they gather here at church to meet their families and so on and so forth. So, you know, nearly our whole town went out to Lucasville. And when they came, and when their convoy came, we escorted them all the way back into town and here to the church building, blowing horns and, and, you know, lots of hugging and kissing. And if the girls were pretty, some people took advantage of the situation. And it was just a, a, really, a really nice thing. Well, that, was a, that, that, that goes all the way back before to biblical times. And Jesus was taking advantage of this because everybody knew what it was and what it was to represent. And, and, and he was using this to make the announcement that he was the Messiah, which means the anointed one, and the, or the king, the anointed one. The word Christ means the same thing, the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one. And he was to come to town, and Jesus was announcing this, but it was a different kind of a trip. Because it was known then that if the king or if the soldier were mounted on a horse, it meant that he was a man of war. If, however, he came to town riding on a donkey, it was an indication that this is a man of peace. And if you remember over in the book of Isaiah, 
in his messianic prophecy concerning the coming of the Messiah, he called him the Prince of Peace. So Jesus came. Have we shown that yet? Have you seen him coming to town yet? I want to see him coming to town. Okay, so he comes to town riding on a donkey. And in this particular case, it had been prophesied as well by Zechariah. And when you read over in the Old Testament from the book of Zechariah, it reads this. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of John. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey, which means there were two animals. There was mama donkey and the foal. Jesus came riding on the foal. And he had made careful preparations for this because he wanted his announcement to be, the Prince of Peace is coming. And he was announcing the inauguration of his kingdom. All through, the old, all through the New Testament during the ministry of Jesus, what was his sermon? What was the sermon that he gave to the, the disciples when he sent the 70 out or sent the 12 out? The kingdom of God. Because there was a terrible misunderstanding among those folks about the nature of God's kingdom. What they wanted and what God's plan was were two different things. And we need to understand that. So Jesus came, and by the way, the only New Testament writer that mentions both animals is, um, is Matthew. And uh, Matthew mentions that in chapter 21, that there were two animals. Jesus had made preparation, and he told his disciples before he began the triumphal entry, he said, you go to such and such a place, and there will be a donkey tied there with a foal. No one has ever ridden the foal. You go get them. And the people will say, hey, where are you going with that donkey? And you're to say, the master has need of them. And they'll say, okay. And so he took, and so they went and got him and brought it. And Jesus then mounted the, and, and the donkey and, and rides into town announcing his kingdom. Now understand something. The nature of Jesus' kingdom has been misunderstood. It was then and it is now. The nature of the kingdom of God. There is, the, there is sadly, there is an existence, and it's a broad-based concept, that the kingdom of God, you can only participate in the kingdom of God when you die and go to heaven. And the kingdom will come when you die. And the day will come when God will just burn up everything here and he'll bring heaven to earth and start all over again. And that's his kingdom. And, and, and so people get the idea, just let this world go to hell on a handbasket because it has nothing to do with the kingdom. And that's, that's just 100% wrong. Now the sad thing was that the followers of Jesus and he, the, the crowds were just, they were great on both sides of the road, they were taking off their coat and throwing it down. They were cutting palm trees and throwing the limbs down. And just crowds were just cheering all excited because their concept of the Messiah was that he was going to kick out the Romans and restore the empire of Israel just like it was under David. And guess what? God never had that in mind. That's what the people thought. 
And crowds are fickle. People are fickle. Religious people are fickle. Because far too often what we do is we make up our mind what we believe and then we try to find a scripture somewhere that will support it. Which is silly. If you want to know about the kingdom of God, you go and sit down and you look at every verse in the Bible concerning the kingdom of God and then you start to get the picture. You don't just pick one out that agrees with what you'd already made up your mind to. You let the Bible determine what you believe. You don't make up your mind what you believe then go to the Bible and prove it. That's called proof texting for those of us who, that it upsets. And that gives me dyspepsia. Because God can't speak to you if you've made up your mind what you believe and then go and try to get it proved. And you can prove anything from the Bible if you, if you proof text or, knit or, or just carefully select the scriptures you think that support what you think you believe. And the crowd that followed Jesus were just like that. They were fickle and they made up their mind what they wanted the Messiah to accomplish. A lot of their preachers, their their the rabbi said, taught them wrong because that's what they wanted to. You see, the problem was that they had gotten so political that they couldn't be religious. And this is a real problem for us today. I fell for that trap as a young man years ago. When President Reagan was coming in, I was registered as a conservative Republican, you know, and here, well, he was going to be a, virtually a messiah. Anybody that makes movies with monkeys, you ought to have a clue that this may not turn out too good. Remember bedtime for Bonzo? And what he did is he selected a lady on the Supreme Court because she was a Catholic, and he assumed that since she's a Catholic, she will be opposed to abortion, but she wasn't. And so actually he appointed a woman to the Supreme Court who was for abortion. We get so excited about, you know, and, and, and Jesus was trying to say this. And so when he was finally arrested and he looked over his shoulder, guess what? The crowd was gone. Even Peter was sitting by a fire, hunkered down, hoping nobody would recognize him. He just gave a rooster with a sore throat an opportunity to announce himself. Crowds are fickle. If he's going to be king and throw out the Romans and establish the kingdom that was under David, what's he doing in jail? And so finally they brought him up before a Roman puppet by the name of Pilate. Pontius Pilate. And the 18th chapter of John talks about that. And here Jesus talks to Pilate about the nature of his kingdom. Let me read it. So Pilate went back to the residence and spoke to Jesus. Are you the king of the Jews, he asked. Did you think of that, Jesus asked, or did other people tell you about me? I'm not a Jew, Emma, reported Pilate. Your own people, the chief priests, have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus says, 
My kingdom isn't the sort that grows in this world. If my kingdom were from this world, and here's the difference. In many of your Bibles, you will see the, the word from. They use the word of instead of from. Now, there's a reason for that. In the Greek language, the context determines whether you use of or from. And the people who believe that the kingdom of God only starts when you die and, and, and go to heaven has nothing to do with this world were the ones who influenced the use of the word of. I don't agree with that. The kingdom of God has a place in this world now. Now let me prove that from Scripture. Let me keep on reading. Jesus says to him, If my kingdom were of this world, my supporters would have fought to stop me from being handed over to the Judeans. But it's not like that. My kingdom isn't the sort that comes from this, from here. So, said Pilate, you are a king, are you? You're calling me a king, Jesus replied, and I was born for this. I came into the world for this, to give evidence about the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Truth, said Pilate, what's that? With these words, he went back to the Judeans. I find this man not guilty, he said, but look here. You've got this custom that I should set someone free at Passover time. So what about it? Would you like me to release the king of the Jews? No, they shouted. We don't want him. Give us Barabbas. The kingdom. Why did I say I didn't agree with the use of of? Because... Jesus is saying, I came from heaven to earth. I had my disciples to preach one subject, the kingdom of God. And they've done that. And I am the king of that kingdom. And that kingdom has a place here and now, Jesus is telling them. Do you remember when he taught his disciples to pray? Do you remember I... Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he didn't say, wait until I burn up the earth and start all over again. He was saying that there is a place for a spiritual awakening and the, the will of God to come to bear on our earth now. And everybody who recognizes me as their king is a part of that kingdom. That's what he's telling them. There's a place in God's kingdom for God's people to perform as his people here and now. Now, it's interesting. I want to I go now to the text in Matthew. 
Now he's coming to town, and, and so I'll start at verse 6 of chapter 21 just to say, The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the coal, placed their coats on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their coats on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the ground or in the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Now, be careful with the word Hosanna. Because we kind of use it as, as a synonym for the word praise the Lord. And it's not, they aren't even kissing kin. The word Hosanna means, Lord, save us now. They're crying to God for help. Now, let's, let's understand. That's not saying, oh, praise the Lord, hunky-dory this world, blah, 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 blah. No, he's saying, we're in a heap of trouble, and we need you, God, to save us now. Now, listen to me. Our world is in a heap of trouble. Now, we've got the threat of nuclear war that's with us constantly. We've got some real goofball people who have nuclear weapons. I mean, these guys are worse than dope traders. They don't care who lives or dies as long as they don't. We have a, 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 a divided nation, people who hate one another because of politics, but it's really over who's in power and who's got the money. That's really all it's ever been about. And Jesus is saying, my kingdom isn't that way. I'm more interested, Jesus said, in the relationship that you have with God and that you have with each other. And he really cuts it down to just that. You see, these goofy people that followed Jesus, they thought that, and if you look at your notes, you'll see something you probably aren't familiar with. I mentioned someone by the name of Simon Maccabeus. And it's in the book of Maccabees, and the book of Maccabees isn't in your Bible. But it is in, in the Catholic Church has it in theirs, Episcopal Church has it in theirs, the Orthodox Church has it in, because it is a somewhat reliable history between the close of the Old Testament canon with, with Malachi and the beginning of Matthew, that 400-year period in there. There was uh, the Jews who always wanted to be free, under the domination of Roman, and a guy by the name of Simon Maccabeus started the word, they called him the hammer. He started a, a revolt against Rome, against the, at that particular time, it's not Rome yet. Because in 356 BC, there was a young man born who had a magnificent teacher. His name was Alexander, and his teacher was actually Aristotle until he was 16 years old. Aristotle a student of Plato. His father, Philip of Macedon, was killed and he became the king and he became what arguably 
the, the most effective military leader in the history of the Western world. I could spend an hour just talking about his conquest because he's such an interesting chap. He only lived 33 years. And the myth about him says that he wept because there were no more nations to conquer. Actually, he got to India, kind of got his butt whooped there by people on elephants, and so his army said, we're tired, we want to go home, and they all went back home, and he went back to Babylon where he ultimately died. And Alexander the Great, uh, when he died, then his kingdom was divided up into about four different sections. And the section that was over Israel and Syria and that surrounding area was a jerk. And what he did, just because he didn't like the Jews, he takes a pig and sacrifices a pig on the altar of the temple in Jerusalem. You want to hack off a bunch of Jews? He just did it. In the book of Daniel, this, this whole thing that happened there is referred to as the abomination of desolation. It was an abominable act. And, it, and the Jews got so upset that a guy named Simon Maccabeus got a bunch of soldiers together, threw them all out of Israel, cleansed the temple, and started temple worship all again. And, and, and he was such a big hero, and they had a big thing when he came, to, came riding into town. And they thought Jesus was going to be that way too. But that wasn't what he had in mind. No, his kingdom brings the principles of heaven to earth. And the church is supposed to be his mechanism for demonstrating to the world what happens to people when they're added to the kingdom of God by the power of the Spirit of God. And the Bible as the Word of God becomes their constitution and bylaws. And that trumps everything else in the history of, of any of us. Now, this supernatural kingdom where you can actually have citizenship in it now is referred to by the Apostle Paul in the third chapter of the book of uh, Philippians. He actually talks about it. And I'm just going to read that one verse so you know I'm not smoking dope. He says, starting verse 19, their destiny is destruction, their God is their subject. He's talking about the people of this world, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. You and I have dual citizenship. If you're really lucky, you have one in Kentucky and heaven. <laughs> Rest of you, you know, you, you, you'll be all right, but don't worry about it. But, you know, might as well go first class when you can. And this kingdom on earth has a spiritual dynamic that the things of the world don't have. Because worldly people want the same thing that worldly politicians want. They want money and power and things. Money, power, and things. They have no loyalty. And yet loyalty is one of the things in this kingdom 
that is a really big issue. The parable that Jesus told about the sheep and the goats was all about the sheep are those of, of the fold of God who have been loyal and faithful to Him and their acts of obedience have demonstrated their confidence in Jesus. There is this understanding. The only way you can get into this kingdom Jesus is talking about according to John 3, 3 is you have to be born again. First time you were born from mama and papa, this time you're born to the Spirit of God. You're born from the Spirit that comes from that kingdom that is to bring the principles of heaven to earth. He brings it down, and you have to be born. And, and, and Jesus repeated it to Nicodemus and said, Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. It isn't optional. Now, Folks, that's the reason I'm scared to death of deathbed confessions. Now, I know a lot of people believe in it and find it's good. And God bless them. That's better than nothing. But that scares the wee water out of me. Being born again. The demonstration of the new birth. What happens when you're born into this world? The water, the womb burst, and the baby is burst forth. And so that's why he came up with the concept of baptism, because the water bursts forth, and, and, and the body becomes the... And the, what's the first thing you do when you come up out of the water? You breathe. And that in-breathing is, is, is symbolic of the indwelling and the coming in of the Spirit of the living God. And now you are empowered by God to carry out the principles of the kingdom, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And when we start doing that, we're demonstrating to a lost world the true nature of God's kingdom in this world here and now. It ain't any big deal to live like that after you get to heaven. Because the bad guys are gone. Loyalty. You would be shocked, folks, at the amount... I'll soon be 80 years old, and I've got preacher friends all over the earth, really. And you would probably be shocked at the number of hours in a month that I spend on the telephone. You see, I, I don't have one of these fancy telephones. My wife has one. I wake up in the morning and she's sitting in bed going, that's what wakes me up. They have, they have a little click, 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 click. And the gossip goes on. <laughs> Some good things happen to it too. I'll grant you that. But these guys call me up and they have had a breakup in the church because something a little went wrong. Things go wrong in churches because we're just people. And their world has fallen apart and they'll call me up because I'm an old man and, they'll, and they know I'll listen and they know I won't rat on them. 
These are grown men with sometimes a master's degree and sometimes a, a doctor's degree. Their hearts are broken and their life is falling apart because of a lack of loyalty from the people that they have shepherded. It breaks their heart. Jesus knew exactly how it felt when he looked over his shoulder and Peter and the rest of them were gone and the fickle crowds had gone on their way more political than they were religious and his heart was broken too. To the extent that when he died on the cross, blood and water flowed from his side that the Spirit penetrated. There isn't anything that's more heartbreaking than to have people that you love turn on you. And here's something, folks, you better put in your pipe and smoke it. The people that we help the most turn on us the quickest. That's the reason I've never been for foreign aid. I think this doesn't work. People just, you know... And, and then the people that you've helped the most and you think, man, oh man, we've helped them out there. You know. And then the first time a, a, a little problem develops and they are because we're people, you look over their shoulder and they're gone. They want to find a place where they don't have any problems. There ain't no such place. Not here. Not on this earth. And, and think about this. You know... I had a funeral yesterday afternoon, about 2 o'clock, and I had an appointment in Maysville at 11.30. Actually, some people gathered there, and I was going to get a free meal at Deshaies. Now, a, a free meal for a preacher is like hitting the lottery, <laughs> especially in a nice restaurant. And then I was going to come back to South Shore for a party over there for something we got an invitation to but when they called and asked will you do the funeral I said yeah I'll do that I'll do that so I had to call Maysville had to I can't come got to do the funeral now here's the deal any good pastor when you have a problem is going to be there to help if he can even if it costs him he will be there if he can And I think you want that, don't you? Why is it asking too much then when a little something goes wrong in our life or at the church for you not to come to our rescue? I saw something beautiful yesterday morning at, at the men's breakfast. I didn't have breakfast, this donuts. I get sick of donuts. I wish somebody would... Start cooking breakfast. <laughs> but there you go, you know. Neil Parsley is getting ready to go to the hospital and have some implants made that hopefully will cause his cancer to go away. And when, I think it was John Hull mentioned it, don't forget to be praying for him. They just all kind of gathered around him. And those who couldn't touch him just reached toward him and we prayed for him.
When a guy's in a heap of trouble, it's awfully comforting to know that the people who wear the name of Jesus are loyal and will be there and won't run away and hide, but will move in closer than they've ever been before and put a protective wall around you, both in prayer and physical being, so that you know that you're loved and cared for. If a church can't do that, we ought to take her shingle down and sell cheap insurance. That's the nature of this kingdom that God wants, and He said to pray for it, to come to earth as it is in heaven. You know, I was watching uh, Channel 63. There's there are very few things other than Kentucky basketball that, that you can watch, and, and then I watched some news till I was going to get sick of that. But there was, and, and this is the, uh, what is it, National Geographic thing. And in that program, uh, a, a new elephant baby had been born and had fallen into a hole and the hole that had fallen into was muddy and slick, and that little fella just couldn't get out. The other elephants gathered all the way around it and protected it because there was an old mama lion over here licking her chops, saying, I want some elephant stew. And these, and these big old elephants lined got all the way around it, saying, bring it on, lion. And brother lion sat in the bushes and said, this ain't a good thing. And another woman, another female got down in the water and got her trunk underneath of this baby and lifted it up the bank far enough that it could scramble out and go for help. I said to myself, you know, sometimes elephants are kinder than people. We as a congregation need to say to each other and to our God, we're going to be faithful to each other Lord, because when we're faithful to each other, we're faithful to you. I heard a, a, in speaking about uh, Alexander the Great, I heard a story about him years ago, and I probably told it before because when you get my age telling things over, it's just something you do. And, and you can be honest and saying, I don't remember having done it. So, all right. But in his army that he was so successful, never really defeated, word came to him that there was a young 19-year-old soldier by the name of Alexander who on three different occasions in the heat of battle had broken and ran. His commanding officer goes to Alexander and said, what do you want me to do with him? You want me to kill him? He's more harmed than he is good. Alexander said, no, you bring him to me. The great general brought the young man and he said, I understand your name is Alexander. He said, yes, sir. I understand that on three different occasions in the heat of battle, when things went wrong, you broke and you ran, did you? And he said, yes, I did. He said, young man, here's the way it is. If you're going to fight in my army and you wear the name Alexander, you never break and run. So it's from now on you either change your name or change your ways. If we're going to wear the name of Christ, some of us need to either change our ways 
or quit calling ourselves something that is an embarrassment to our king. And loyalty to each other and to our God. Rates way up there high. You've got to understand something, folks. The Bible teaches... The Bible teaches that you and I are living and operating on the devil's turf. Now, God owns everything because he created it, but Satan has taken it over. You say, well, how can you say that? Well, because the Bible says so. When you go to the book of 2 Corinthians, in the fourth chapter, in the fourth verse, here's what it says. And the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Satan is described as the prince of this world. God has assigned you and me the responsibility of taking back to him, taking back for him what belongs to him. Which means that there's a battle out here that we're into. But it's not Democrats and Republicans and Independents. It's good against evil. And we're to be more than just passive. We're to stand up for our king and the principles of heaven and bring him to earth. When Jesus was with, with his disciples up in Caesarea Philippi, that's right up on the Syrian border, the city there, and, and, and Jesus asked his disciples, because there was a whole bunch of temples to pagan gods, and Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? The disciples said, this is in Matthew 16, well, some say you're John the Baptist or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And Jesus said, yeah, okay, but who do you say that I am? And Peter actually got something right for a change. He said, you're the Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ, the king of God's kingdom, the very son of the living God. Jesus answered him and said, blessed are you, Simon, son of John. For flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. So what I'm going to do for you is I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of God. And whatsoever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. Peter, I want you to go out and begin begin preaching the gospel, which is the means of recruiting for the kingdom of God. And let's get this army of people who love God and love one another, who are just absolutely hell-bent on taking back what Satan has taken from God, claiming it for Jesus Christ, and doing it now. He was really saying, it's, if you are filled with the Spirit of God, you've really been born again, you're willing to storm the very gates of hell because it cannot prevail against you. 
The power of the gospel is such that if we just get it out there and give it a chance, it changes people's lives, it changes communities, it changes families, it changes everything on earth, even as it is in heaven. Amen to that. Families that fuss and fight with one another will, for Christ's sake, forgive each other. Now, that's an interesting passage of Scripture when we look at it. Because it actually tells us that grace and forgiveness go hand in hand. We, as those living in the kingdom of God, forgive each other and bear each other's burdens and love each other even when we must sacrifice to benefit the other one. We're loyal to each other, come what may. And we're absolutely determined to bring everybody, to recruit, we're all recruiters for the kingdom of God, bringing them into the kingdom. That God's will can be done on earth even as it is in heaven. Sure would like to see some of that happen before I die. I hope you'll help me. Lord, I ask your blessing upon this gathering of people. Fill them, O God, with the power of your Holy Spirit to strengthen them to do your will regardless of how uncomfortable it may make them or or anybody else. Help us, O God, to seek your kingdom. To seek peace. Help us, O God. To be really, really good advertisements for who Jesus is and what he means to us. Dismiss us, I pray, O God, with that fresh on our minds. I ask it in Jesus' name. And all the people said? Folks, you've been gracious and kind, and I appreciate that. I hope that you'll have a good uh, weekend. Uh, Don't forget to be generous with the buckets when you leave. God bless you. You're free to go. Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page.